Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And Tim said that wouldn't work. Because he said, it's his style and not mine. (laughs) And so today it's mine. Anybody know what my title might be? Don't worry about a thing. I had a bit of trouble choosing this title. I'm going to be honest. I I was thinking, shall I call it Don't Worry About a Thing? Or shall I say, how about I have had enough? I wasn't sure. But I went with don't worry about a thing. Has anybody ever said those words? I have had enough. Give me a show of hands. Bit of audience participation. If you were to say to Tim, have you ever heard Helen say those words? He would say, yes, I have. I have had enough many times is what he said. I've had enough of doing everything. I've had enough of picking up after everyone, not looking at anybody in particular. I have had enough. You know those times where things seem to be going wrong? You get up and you're late. Your shower leaks, your washing machine doesn't work. You get into the car, there's a flat tire, and then you get a text from your kids. I forgot my PE kit. And this is all before nine o'clock in the morning. I have had enough of the words that would probably trip off my tongue. I guess it's a sentence rarely said when things are going well. And it's not a new sentence either. It's not a 21st century saying. Actually, 550 BC, it was said in the Bible. It was in the Old Testament, there's a prophet called Elijah, and he says these words in 1 Kings 19, verse 4, I have had enough. The interesting thing is, he said it after a time where things had been going really well, where he knew the goodness and the provision and the power of God. But there's one person that got into his mind. There was one person that changed his perspective and it led him to run and it led him to have fear. It caused him to say, I have had enough. And there's times where it can be the same for us. Times when we know God's good. Times when we know that God will provide. Times when we know that God will come through because he has many times before. But then there's one thing that creeps into our mind. There's one thing maybe that somebody says. And instead of focusing on God, we start to focus on fear, anxiety, worry. We run away, we become isolated, we become withdrawn and we say, I have had enough. I want to talk about Elijah today. I'm going to give you a bit of a background check. He was a significant prophet. And if you don't know what that word means, it just means a spokesman. Basically, he spoke on behalf of God. And that tells me that he knew God. 
That tells me that you could hear from God. You see, to speak on somebody's behalf, you have to know their voice. We would often, maybe at a weekend, go to Markeaton Park. And Jack is now 20, but when he was little, he was wild. He wanted to be out in the open. He had no fear. He wanted to climb the highest tree. And so we'd get to the car park and off he would go running to get to the trees. He was excited. Before we knew it, he'd gone up a tree and we couldn't see him. And for a mum, that's awful. But then you'd hear the words, mum, dad. And this was in a noisy park where many other children were saying, mum, dad. But I knew it was Jack because I know him. I recognised his voice. I heard his voice. We have a relationship. I knew him. Elijah knew God's voice. He had a relationship with God. He was eager to let other people know about God. You see, at the time, there were many people that were focused on God's little g. They worshipped other gods, little g, whereas Elijah worshipped God, big G. His very name means the Lord is my God. And he wanted people to know that. He wanted people to experience the power of his God. Elijah's introduced to us in 1 Kings 17 when he goes to meet King Ahab. King Ahab is a king of Israel and he was a wicked king. He did more to provoke the anger of God than any other king of Israel. He was a wicked king. He was evil. And what's more, he had an evil wife. That's not a good combination, is it? Jezebel was her name. She was forceful. She was persuasive. Basically, let me tell you a little bit about Jezebel. She killed a man called Naboth only because King Ahab wanted his garden. Can you imagine me going round to Michael and Amanda, my neighbours, and killing them because Tim wanted a little bit more land? You wouldn't do it, would you? She wore the trousers. She was forceful. She persuaded Ahab and many others to worship a god called Baal. Baal, a man-made god, probably the shape of maybe a ram or a bull. And it was believed that the gift of rain came from Baal. Elijah was bold. He announces to King Ahab that a great drought is coming. Isn't that a challenge? He believes in a God that provides rain. And so Elijah heard from God and said, hey, go tell him there's a drought coming. Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Imagine hearing that news. There's going to be no rain for three and a half years. I don't know if you can remember back to the summer when we didn't have rain for a while. People panicked, really panicked, when their grass started to go brown. Now, if you look at it, we have very green grass. But actually, in this time, they needed the rain to produce harvest, to sow seeds, to be able to eat. So the news of a drought would not be good. Elijah broke the bad news to Ahab, and then he disappeared. Ahab's reaction was, go find that man. Go find him. I want him. 
I want him dead. He didn't like what he'd said to him. Elijah did as he was told. He didn't run off scared. He went into hiding because God commanded him to. He was listening to God. He signposted him to a brook. And so he goes to this brook and he drinks from it. Because God said, if you go to the brook, there'll be water for you. And then he said, and I'll provide food for you. And he did through the ravens. Do you know what amazes me? He provided food from ravens. And ravens are scavengers. They're normally the ones that would steal the food. But yet God used them to provide food. I love that thought. You see, God will use unexpected things and unexpected people to provide what he wants to provide. And I want you to hold that thought for a minute. When the brook dried up, Elijah went to a village to meet a widow, which is where God had told him to go. And he goes to the widow and he said, "Um, can you provide me with a cup of water? And the widow starts to go and get the cup of water. And then he says, oh, and can you provide me with some bread too? And at that point, the widow turns to him and said, I can't. I'm actually here because I've got one cup of flour and one cup of oil. I'm going to build a fire to feed my son and me our last meal because then we will die. And so Elijah said, but if you provide for me, God will provide for you. The widow did exactly what Elijah said and they never ever ran out of food God's provision in unexpected ways. When we have faith to believe that provision will come, God will provide. Tim's parents, I don't know if you know, but are missionaries. And they're now, well, his mum is now at a Bible school, but they have many stories of faith and living in faith. And one particular one that always really grabs me is this provision. So they would have been provided with a holiday, and they often didn't have holidays because they didn't have the money to do it. A family had said, we'd love you to come and use our home. We're going away. We'll get it all ready for you. So these guys were excited about a holiday. They got to the point where they were about to travel, and they realized they had no money. And so they were really caught. They were like, I don't know what to do because we know that this has been a provision of a holiday. The people have got the holiday home ready, but we have no fuel And Joseph turned to Joan and said, let's just get in the car and go. We believe that God is the provider. Let's just do it. They go in the car. They start driving off. And not long after, somebody flashes them down. So Joseph thinks, oh, no, we've got a car problem. He gets out. He has a look. And a lady came to him. And she said, you don't know me, but I know God. And I want to give you this envelope. And they gave her the envelope. And so Joseph got back into the car, opened up the envelope, And there was the money for the fuel, and there was the money for food. God provided from somebody unexpectedly, and he provided so much more than what they even needed. God can provide when we listen to his voice. Where we go, where he wants us to go. When he wants us to provide, we need to listen to that too. Let's get back to Elijah. Whilst he was with the widow, her only son got sick. And Elijah was bold. He actually questioned God. 
In 1 Kings 17, it says, Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned. He was revived. Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the widow responded, I know for sure, Elijah, that you are a man of God and the Lord speaks through you. Elijah did as he was told. He followed God's direction. He was in the right place at the right time because if not, the son would have died. How about you? Have you ever missed an opportunity where you're not in the right place at the right time? Or is God speaking to you even today to say, hey, I'm trying to point you in that direction to be in the right place at the right time. We need to listen to his direction. Three and a half years went by and Elijah did as he was told. In 1 Kings 18 verse 1, it says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and he presented a challenge. And I've called this challenge the battle of fire. It was going to be Elijah's God versus Baal, King Ahab's God. And they were instructed to prepare a sacrifice and bring the sacrifice up to Mount Carmel. And basically what happened was the prophets of Baal went first and they first, they prepared a sacrifice, they got it all ready and then they prayed to Baal for fire to come down. And they prayed 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 and there was no fire and then it was Elijah's turn and he prepared a sacrifice he got it all ready and you can read in the story of kings what that looked like but what I want to tell you is fire came he believed that God would provide and fire came fire came and it proved Elijah was right his God who we know as our God is God and there will be no other gods. Elijah was bold. He killed the prophets of Baal that had come to do the sacrifice, but he did spare Ahab. However, he does tell him that rain is coming. Talk about rubbing salt into the wound. You know, Baal, hey, he didn't bring fire. And the very belief you have in him is to bring rain, and he's not going to bring rain either. And Elijah did as he was told again and he climbed up Mount Carmel and he got on his knees and he prayed for rain. In fact, he bowed down low and prayed. He was persistent in his prayer. He had a servant with him and he sent the servant to look out for the rain. And one, two, three, four, five, six times the servant came back and he said, there is no sign of rain How many times have we been persistent in prayer, asking for a miracle, asking God for provide, and we've given up on number four? How about keep going for number five and number six? On the seventh time, which means a number in the Bible of completion, 
the servant came back and he said, Elijah, I have seen a cloud rising from the sea. It's the size of a man's hand. It was small. But you know what? Elijah knew that rain was coming. He knew that his God would provide. How about that for a lesson of encouragement today? Keep going on what you're praying for. If you need to, get back on your knees. Be persistent. Spend time with God. He will provide. Elijah was confident that God would provide. You see, he did with the ravens. He did for the widow. He did for the widow's son. He did for the fire. And now he would for the rain. It was a small sign, but it was enough. He told King Ahab, go, go home quick before the rain comes. A small cloud to Elijah meant a big torrent was on its way. God's provision can be in the small. It can be through small things. For all of his bigness, our God has a remarkable love for the small. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And that got me thinking, what started small here at Arena? And it took me to the food bank. Lisa, it started with one pallet. And now look at the story. It's amazing. It's so big. And we need it to grow and be bigger. Look at Arena. It started with one campus. And now we've got six campuses and an online service. Good things grow when we have faith and when we do the works. When, believe, when we believe God in the small and have faith for the bigger things to come. Why don't we start getting even more persistent about growth in our campuses? Annie, Nottingham, Belper, Toulouse. Let's get growing that actually they've got a problem. They've not got enough seats. Small things grow when we're persistent in prayer. I've got a few things that I want you to pray for. Kids Club too. At the minute on a Friday night, we have a couple. Let's get praying for a bigger number. Arena students, we have quite a lot, but let's get praying for even more. There was a small cloud, but darkness came and the clouds rolled in. And Ahab left quickly to get to Jezebel. And when he got there, he gave her bad news. You see, he didn't tell her that the drought was ending, because that's good news. He didn't tell her that Elijah had let him go back before the rain came down, because that's good news. He didn't tell her that God is God and not Baal. But what he told her was that Elijah had killed the prophets of Baal. Up until now, we can see that Elijah represented the very meaning of his name. The Lord is my God. Elijah was bold. Elijah did as he was told. He saw God's provision. He saw his power. He saw his providence. But there's a plot twist. You see, Elijah went from bold to fearful. He let one person's voice change his mind. His focus changed. His perspective changed. He heard Jezebel say she wanted to kill him. 1 Kings 19 says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone 
You see, he withdrew. He became isolated into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough. That's when he spoke those words. Elijah went from his greatest triumph to his lowest point. Things changed quickly in his mind. He'd had enough. And there's a verse in James that tells us why this can happen. James 5.17 says, Elijah was as human as we are. Elijah, one of Israel's greatest prophets, yet as human as you and me. And Elijah was afraid of dying. And fear crept in. He gave voice to somebody else. He was worried. He ran away. He was alone. He was isolated. He was depressed. He had had enough. Have you ever been in that situation? You might have been on a mountain high relationship with God. You trusted him completely. And then all of a sudden, you hit rock bottom because of a circumstance because of something that somebody has said. It impacts your thinking. It causes you to run away in fear. You know, there's that saying, isn't The sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a load of rubbish. Words hurt. And words stick. And words can change our thinking. James 3 reminds us about our words. It says, A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. If you've ever heard those words, you're not good enough. It's not true. God says you are. If you've ever heard those words, you're so slow, you're never going to get that job done. Actually, maybe it's because you're doing a really good job on trying to get that job done. If you've ever heard those words, I'm better than you, it's not true. You are fearfully and wonderfully made because that's what God says about you. Words come in and before we know it, we give them space and we start to worry. We become frightened. We start to worry and worry and worry. And I said to Tim, give me a story about the last time that I worried. And he said, Helen, there's too many. (laughs) And I thought, oh, it's so true. You know, there's times where I've lost sleep because I've been worried. There's times where I couldn't eat because I've been worried. There's times where I've cancelled plans because I've been so consumed, where I've withdrawn and I've become a little bit isolated. And I want to say now, through all those worries... It's been a complete waste of time. And I don't say it lightly, but the older I get, the more I see it. Worrying is such a waste of time. Elijah lost his focus on God and he focused on his problem. He focused on his worry. And how many times can that happen to us? Someone else's words impact our thinking. A circumstances changes what we feel. We isolate ourselves. And in those times, when we start to focus again on God, we'll see who God's put in our place to help us. You see, God in this moment provided an angel for Elijah to sustain him. And for us, that might like, look like a friend who's come along to help you. 
That might be somebody in your small group that gets alongside and helps you face those worries and points you back to God. It might be having a chat with Tim and I about what you're going through and we'll pray with you. It might be going to the prayer point after the service and saying, hey, this is on my mind. Can you pray with me? God will provide somebody to stand with you. Elijah ended up in a cave. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? That made me smile when I read it. Because God would have already known what he was doing there. And he says, the people of Israel, they're trying to kill me. And so God gave him some instructions. He said, go out of your cave and stand before me. And Elijah did what he was told. And he stood outside and there was a strong wind. And God was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake. And God was not in the earthquake. And then there was fire. And God was not in the fire. And then there was a gentle whisper. And there was God in the whisper. Elijah was depressed, fragile. In that moment, he needed the calming reassurance of God. And God showed his grace, his patience, his kindness. He met Elijah's brokenness with his tenderness, a whisper. And it's the same for us, you know, when we've had enough. God might just speak into your worry, into your fear, in a still, small voice. But you'll only hear it if you quieten, quieten your thinking. If you quieten your worry and if you tune in to God. Elijah heard and he got out of the cave and he was no longer isolated. And he went down the mountain and God provided him with a friend, a friend called Elisha. You know, the very thing that distracted him, the very thing that caused him to worry, never happened anyway. He didn't have to worry about a thing. You see, in 2 Kings 2, it says Elijah and Elisha were walking and talking together. And suddenly, some horses and chariots came and separated Elijah from Elisha. The horses and the chariot were like fire. Then Elijah was carried up into heaven in a whirlwind. His worry, his fear was a waste of time. He was never going to die anyway. God, is, God had his hand on him. He never died. He was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. We can learn so much through Elijah. Elijah had faith. He heard from God. He believed in God for his provision. He believed in his power. He did as he was told and he was bold. Elijah had fear. He heard from Jezebel. He went from high to low. Elijah was human. But in his low, God provided. In his low, God sustained him. 
in his low, he still heard from God. So when we have had enough, what do we need to do? We need to focus on what God can do. We need to tune into God's voice and tune out the world's voice. Just listen because he'll talk. It might just be in a whisper. A whispering voice that calms you. How about we start being more persistent in our prayer to start to see the small things that will grow into the big when we believe in God for his provision. You too can say, the Lord is my God and I don't need to worry about a thing. I wonder if you bow your heads. Lord, I want to thank you for this word. Lord, there's so much in there that you have given me to put out. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment, people will just quieten their hearts and their minds to hear from you, to hear your still, small voice, to hear the whisper of what you want them to say. And Lord, as I'm just thinking about it now, there might be people in here that don't even know you that don't know that you are the great provider, that don't know that you are powerful, that don't know that you want to be with them every step of the way. And so I just want to give people an opportunity to raise their hands if you don't know Jesus. You see, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And when you walk into a relationship with him, when you raise your hand and say, I'm going to be counting on you for the rest of my life, you will know the power and the provision of God. If you want to do that now, just raise your hands and I'm going to pray for you. It's all in secret in the sense of nobody else is watching. Just raise your hands nicely so I can see you. Jesus. Lord Jesus, you see the hands raised God, I want to thank you that you sent your son so that people can have a relationship with you. And for those with their hands raised now, just say, Jesus, I accept you into my life. You can say it in the quietness of your voice. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. Amen.